Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Call, live from our Brangaroo studios. 10 stocks picked by you. Two experts give their opinion. We do it all in 60 minutes as fast as furious. It is a lot of fun and uh, I absolutely love it. Just before we get stuck into it today, checking in on some company news. Bank of Queensland reporting a 38% pop in cash earnings for the first half, largely driven by a focus on costs and lower loan impairment expenses. Interim dividend also getting a boost to 22 cents a share, this despite a 2% dip in net interest income as a result of the historically low interest rate environment, which looks as though it could be changing pretty quickly. Uh, CIMIC uh, reiterating full year profit guidance after uh, first quarter jumped underpinned by growth in its Australian construction and services businesses. Uh, a takeover bid for CIMIC from its major shareholder, Hockteef, the uh, big Spanish group, uh, is currently due to close on April 26. What a surprise. Um, a bid from the major shareholder comes just before really good earnings results. Uh, to m and after a number of offers, Virtus Health confirming it signed a revised transaction implementation deed for CatVest takeover proposal. The deed recommends Virtus shareholders vote in favour of the scheme. And uh, to some other stocks we're watching in today's trade, Transurban out with its uh, quarter report uh, with average daily traffic increasing by 0.4% across the board. Uh, Modest Boost was helped along by North Americans hitting the road, their average daily traffic lifting almost 20% for the period. And net wealth quarterly inflows up 16%, meaning funds under management now sits just shy of $14 billion. Uh, assuming market conditions don't go south, the company is expecting to exceed its 2022 guidance. Market not that impressed with it. Um, in largely a day of uh, good gains, let's uh, check some of the stock prices there and uh, of those in the news. So. Uh, Interesting one, that one. Let's uh, bring in our uh, experts for uh, the call today uh, for the full hour. Joining me in the uh, Brangaroo studio is Ben Clark from TMS Capital. Ben, how are you? I'm good, good. Uh, um, are you surprised uh, Virtus Health sort of uh, is going along with it? We had that on the call last week. Yeah. Basically, the panel saying, take the money and run. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it seems to have reached the you know, they're just trying to get those extra little few cents out. Yeah, yeah. There's been a full scale bidding war for this business, which um, you don't see a lot of these days. Um, yeah. So that's um, that's been obviously great for the company and its shareholders. And yeah. I think we're at that point now where management believes there's not much, there's nothing else on the table to be taken. The other party has dropped out. Yeah. And so it now is a case of um, okay. do, take the money the and run. Yeah. 
Uh, and joining us from the West, Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets. Carl, how are you, sir? Are you well? Very well. Yes, Excellent. very well. Thanks, Koshi. Good to hear from you. Okay. How, Thanks, how are you seeing the markets at the moment? Good night in the US. Yeah, markets are just amazing at the moment, aren't they? I mean, it's been a volatile ride, ride over there in the US with, uh, you know, interest rates and obviously uh, the NASDAQ. But rock solid over here. I mean, if you add back dividends, we actually tipped an all-time high. So, I mean, if you look at the total return that, you know, your average investor is experiencing, um, you know, a lot of lot of good things going on there. And, um, you know, we, we, we're strong today. So, luckily... Uh, well, you know, thank goodness for Western Australia is all I've got to say, Koshi, because oh, uh, you know, without, God, without, us, without us, you'd all be stuffed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. No, we're not talking to Mark McGowan. We're talking to Carl Capralinga from Think Markets. All right. On a serious note, though, let's let's take a look at what, what are your, your charts telling you about the market at the moment? First of all, the Australian market and then the American market. A couple of weeks ago, you were you were saying that any rally in the market, use it as a time to sell into the rally because yep. the, the overall trend was down. Has that changed? Well, that, that, was, that was more for the, U, the US market, US, to be fair. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a change. It changed all just after that uh, Fed meeting. So the March meeting uh, where they came out and said, you know, we, we, we could go a lot harder than everybody thought, um, we just saw a huge risk on rally and it was really counterintuitive. So, you know, I'd be the first to admit that uh, down at those March lows, I, th I thought we were going lower and, and certainly the macroeconomic picture pointed that way. Uh, and then, you know, all, all we've had since then is war, inflation uh, and, and the prospect of higher interest rates. In fact, not just the prospect, but market rates are now, you know, back to close to 3% yeah. in many jurisdictions. Uh, and yet the markets have rallied. So, I'll, look, I'll put my hand up and say, look, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, but at the, at the end of the day, I think um, you can you can sit here and scream at the market for a long time and, tell the, and shout, shout at the market, tell the market's crazy. Um, and and I'm not sure if that's a really sensible way to, to, mm -hmm. to invest. So I think you, know, you have to say, well, maybe um, everybody isn't wrong. Uh, maybe there's there's good reason to be invested and, and the money's coming in. So having said that, you know, as a technical analyst, you want to keep staying your toes and look for signs that the momentum is shifting um, because some of those concerns are still out there. So I think, you know, I hate to use it. I hate it when, you know, these talking heads get up on TV, Kosh, you've seen it before, and they say, oh, there's lots of volatility ahead. But unfortunately, I think that's just, just where we are. So cautiously optimistic is the way I would describe myself okay. now. All right. Um, start of earnings season in the US last night. Uh, Delta had a good result. Its share price through the roof buoyed the market a bit. Tech stocks had a rebound. It is a fascinating market at the moment. All right, let's take a look at the stocks that we're going to cover this half hour, first half hour of the call. Going to have a look at Fluence, Catapult, CBA, Group 6 Metals and Ardent Leisure. We go from the small to the massive across lots of sectors. So it's going to be an interesting half hour ahead with both Ben and Carl. But thought I'd kick off stock of the day is um, a stock that we looked at here on the call, I think, last week, uh, Olchem. Uh, it came out with its quarterly update as it looks to ramp up lithium uh, production threefold by 2026 after posting 235 million US dollars in revenue for the quarter. Uh, this is lithium carbonate prices remain elevated around 35,000 US dollars a ton. Shares popping into the green this morning. This is becoming a bit of a crowd favourite here on the call. So what do the experts think after the latest update? Uh, Carl, what do you think of the Olchem uh, update and uh, how's it looking? 
Uh, well, it looks great on the chart. I mean, that's as bottom left as, and top right as you can get. Um, and look, the, the problem with, with uh, any commodity stock, of course, is that, you know, it ebbs and flows based upon the commodity price. At the moment, lithium prices are very strong, as in they've uh, tripled in the last sort of 12 to 18 months. Uh, the, the charts, they don't look like, uh, you know, that lithium chart, I keep an eye on those and the various uh, contracts you've got there. So you've got uh, lithium hydroxide, just a processed product. That's the stuff you're going to use for your battery, yeah. um, your, your electric batteries, and you've got your, your spodumene uh, and your carbonate. Uh, one comes from hard rock, one comes from, um, you know, drying out salt pans in, in South America. So good thing about Allchem, it's got exposure to, in fact, all three, really, because they've got this processing plant over in Japan. So they're trying to work their way up that um, value chain. Uh, they've got um, a hard rock deposit over here. That's the Spodumene one in WA. Uh, that's close to the port of Esperance. And then they've got their South, uh, South I almost said South African, South, uh, South American operations there, um, which uh, in Argentina and uh, there's a boron um, mine there as well. So, you know, great exposure to this, obviously, um, you know, transition to electric vehicles. We know that the market for um, lithium products in general is probably going to be in deficit really out to 2030. Uh, and that's just because of years of years of, I guess, underinvestment. The, 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 the supply is coming, um, but the demand is, is coming as well. So you've got this really interesting scenario where it's not just, well, supply's about to hit and then prices potentially will crash because the demand's expected to ramp up as well. The, the only thing I'd counsel here is that uh, investors know this. So the analysts know all of these things. Um, so the question is, have prices reacted too quickly? Um, yes, supply is expected to increase. Yes, demand is expected to increase. And we, we're not going to go into a deficit for, for lithium products. But have, have we seen that huge price rise already? And maybe we just see it tailing off. Um, I know we're probably getting too big a picture here in terms of this whole discussion of lithium, but it's just, it's, it's Koshi, I get, I get dozens of inquiries every day about lithium. So I'm kind of, yep. kind of getting tired by <laughs> it a little bit, but, um, <laughs> but maybe I'm trying to answer all of these questions at once. Look, I'll bring it back to Orchem. I, I like the stock. It's, it's probably the best ASX pure play out there because of the diversification that I've talked about. Right. The only problem is, is the valuation. We, we had a price target uh, that we've had now for some time of about 14 bucks. And lo and behold, it's Whoa. it's you know like it's hit it it's hit it today. Um, so so what do you do now? We've we've uh, the last um, swing we had on the charts there was at about 10:50. We started to put it out as our feature chart of the day. I would suggest now it's hit our target. Take some profits. Um, yeah. You know, don't take all, don't take it all off the table. Um, you know, we like to do this sort of sell a third and see how we go. And if there's if the chart starts to get worse, we might do that. If it picks up again, we can always reinvest. So if you've got it, I think take a little bit of profit off the table. We've had a good run. If you don't have it, uh, I like it. It's a pure play. It's I think it's a core holding potentially portfolio. Um, but let's wait for a pullback first. Okay. Um, ben, what do you think of Allchem? Uh, it actually came up. Here on the call uh, almost 10 days ago with Chris Conway um, from Marcus Today and Scott Phillips from Motley Fool. Uh, Scott admitted he just missed the lithium boat altogether and doesn't quite understand it. So yeah. it was a no from him. Uh, Marcus Today had been following it a fair bit. Um, they said exactly what Carl said. Yeah. Uh, good business, take some profits. Uh, you can always, get, if you've ridden it up, can always get back in later and trade it further, but lock in some. So yeah, these I'd are big levels, aren't they? <laughs> they? They are, and um, I just think when you've got your finger on the pulse of the market, it to me, lithium feels like the really hyped up area at the moment. Yeah. And there's always a part of the 
through the ups and the downs in the markets, there's always one part of the commodity cycle that's in this sort of weird sort of boom kind of phase. And yeah. the market sort of then will then move on to, you know, uranium or, or, or something else. And just when you look at the, the announcements coming out, suddenly there's so many little juniors that have yeah. found promising lithium deposits, <laughs> doing capital raisings, which are getting snapped up like that. And it, it's just, maybe we're not quite there yet, but I reckon we're getting pretty close to yeah. um, peak sort of excitement about lithium. And as Carl said, all of the fundal fundamentals make sense. You know, yeah. that you can c completely create a bull case for why you want exposure to lithium, but you've also got to, think about everyone else knows that exact argument yeah, yeah. and it's probably been priced in and then some. So right. I'd sort of sit back if I wasn't in it and sort of hope to buy this on a dip. And if it keeps going, you know, so yeah. be it. Okay. So do you agree take some profits on yeah, all definitely. Yeah. yeah. And and also um, one of the, the common uh, bits of advice with lithium here from the experts on the call is, hey, yeah, you got all these juniors and uh, promising results. But hey, stick to the ones in production. Absolutely. Uh, because yeah. you, know, you can say there's a lot of supply coming on, but it will take years. Whereas the ones producing, yeah. they're getting the big bucks now, aren't they? Correct. And they're, they're, the prices will likely moderate, I would yeah. have thought, because lithium, it's not rare, it, but it, it, it does take time. And it's, it's quite a technical metal, I believe, yeah. to get it into production. So um, there's a lag. But yeah. the lag will catch up and yeah. customers will start to sit back when they can see suppliers coming as well. Yep. All right. Let's get into the stocks that you want us to take a look at. And uh, Ben wants a view on fluids, the big uh, wastewater um, um, uh, water reuse treatment uh, company. Um, Carl, Ben says the stock has popped recently <coughs> on larger than normal volumes. Wondering if the trend is looking higher. He's sort of go. He's going straight to the chart guru. He's, ben is. Yeah, he's a, he's a man after <laughs> is he my right? own heart. And yeah, look, it is. It's a really nice trend. It's one we actually we've again, um, kind of. I run these feature charts every day, as you know. And yeah. if something, let's say, if something's up a thousand percent, it came up on my chart at some stage yep. uh, near the start, right? So this is one that um, it has had a nice pop. But I think there's, you know, there's a real business behind it. It's not just a flash in the pan. It uh, doesn't do any lithium either, Koshi, by the way. No. Uh, instead, it's got a bunch of uh, water treatment solutions. So solving real world problems. So, you know, uh, water security, um, you know, uh, droughts. People people need water and that's that's fantastic. And they've got some uh, really sort of um, niche products to, to satisfy the demand in mainly in developing countries. So I think a lot of, a lot of the big players out there are focused more on your uh, sort of your centralised um, solution so your, your big city and, and and treating the wastewater you know at, yeah. at one point but that doesn't necessarily help uh, you know a, a, a village is not a right word because you've got a village that might have 250 500,000 people in it in China right so um, what, what what solution do they have and these guys are, are sort of more um, modular it's a more modular sort of build as you go solution as you need um, and that's for treating obviously wastewater but then they do have uh, desalination products which they're selling uh, into parts of Africa and into the Middle East. Uh, so, you know, they're starting to get some trans uh, 
traction on the financial side. I mean, it has been loss making for many, many years. And if you look at yep. the chart, it probably explains why the chart hasn't done so well. But they're getting really close to sort of to break even. So probably cash flow positive. I, I reckon they could even, uh, well, probably not FY22 because we're near the end of it, but certainly FY23 cash flow positive, probably making money in FY24 and some sort of reasonable um, mm. uh, multiples on that. So look, we, 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 again, it's, it's come up as a feature chart. It was probably in the low 20s. And we had a target of 32. We've got a full value. It's a fair value 32. We've got full value. We could see it overshoot to 43 in the right market, um, just based on the on the valuation there. So look, it's at uh, 26, 25. It's got a great trend. It's you know I think there's a bit more in, on the fundamentals. It's a great product, um, and so I'm going to go buy. I'm going to go buy this one. I like okay. it. All right, Ben, uh, Fluence. There was another wastewater group, wasn't there? Um, yeah, I think it went to God. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm trying to remember actually what yeah, that was but, called. Um, Lawrence Friedman, ex Equity Link, was chairman of. Okay. Was that, I think. Um, I remember there was one that I was forget. reporting some dodgy contracts and they didn't actually exist. Yeah, had, uh, yeah uh, some Chinese customers. Yes. Uh, yep. Was that, that weren't yep. up to speed. Um, what do you think of Fluence? This one's had a bit of a checker past as well, not sort of the same kind of issues there. So I was kind of skeptical when I had a quick look at the, the last presentation, but it does look interesting. Um, they. It seems like they have turned the corner in terms of tipping over, you know, sort of through the um, through the, the the cost side of the business revenue. They did forty three million dollars in revenue last quarter, but I would say that the quarters seem to have been pretty lumpy. So I don't know if you'd extrapolate that through for the next year. But they were positive. They were cash flow positive in the last quarter. They did five million net cash flow. Um, they've got sixty two mil in cash and investments, but forty two is cash. So you want to do your work on what that extra 20 million is. Is it sort of something that's um, sustainable and sitting there? Market cap's 160. Um, so you're paying like 20 times, uh, sorry, you're, pay, you're paying about five times cash flow if they can continue mm. to generate that momentum across the uh. last quarter. And that sounds pretty cheap to me. Um, new CEO, so um, you know, you'd need to look into that. Um, as I said, the reason I'm not going to go on a buy on it at this stage, I probably just want to see another couple of quarters where that momentum continues right. to build. It wasn't just some one-off sales or something, which is you know sort of mass what is still a bit of a struggling business. But yeah, mm. I, I agree. Put it on the put it on the watch list. Okay. Go a hold. So a hold. All right, and watch it. All right, uh, Gabby Ben wants to be on catapult the uh, uh, the wearable high performance sports. Um, technology. Um, if you're a follower of AFL or any professional sport, you'll see the GPS trackers in the, the back of the Guernseys that go through to the high performance coaches. Uh, laptop sitting on the bench measuring the uh, uh, the performance of athletes. This, that's what Catapult does for a whole range of sports around the country, Australian business. Um, and um, has a lot of high performance coaches as shareholders that got on the original float, which was smart marketing. <laughs> very, very good. Yeah, that doesn't you, hurt. No. Um, I, this is a, it's actually kind of a completely different business, a fairly similar story where um, this business has been loss making for many years. Um, they've got some really interesting technology, which they are generating sales out of. It's just that they didn't have the sales momentum to overtake the costs and you know, there has been a number of bolt-on acquisitions and it can be really murky to try and work out, you know, how much of the revenue growth is organic and how much does it need to be. But 
Again, you know, they turned the corner, positive cash flow last half, 6.6 .6 million US dollars in positive cash flow. Market cap's about 300 with 42 million in cash, no debt. So they're very self-sustaining at this yep. point. They're not going to need to keep going back to investors, which is another so issue good, that they've good balance had. sheet. Yep. yep. Um, and the other thing I quite like about this business is um, it's making the move from a sales basis to recurring revenue. So probably if you've got that tracker in the back of your Guernsey, they're probably going to start to charge you a clip to provide the data, yep. try and provide some analytics around that. It's a global business. NFL mm. sides use it. They've yep. just signed a big um, deal in uh, Germany with the, with the soccer league over there. I'll go buy. I actually wrote down a mm. hold, but I'm, you know, from all, everything I'm saying, this actually... <laughs> You've talked yourself good. into it. I have. I have. <laughs> and these sort of businesses, you know, they really have been out of favour um, yes, with what's been going say. on, as you can see. So, um, arguably, the fundamentals are starting to really push in the right direction, and the share price is cheaper than it has been for some time. So, I'll go buy. Yeah. Um, you're right. This is the te test sto tech stocks like this have been hammered. Yeah. Uh, and if they've been able to improve the business yep. through this period, uh, when valuations are come down to a more reasonable level, you get some comfort from that, don't you? Absolutely. It's like if the business is still growing well and, and living up to your expectations, the reality is is that it's what's happening with bond yields that has driven a lot of the share price performance, and that's yeah. out of the company's mm. control. You could make the case maybe that the market was overpaying for this business a year or two ago and we're in a different sort of environment now but you know i'd mm. at a minimum i'd say hold yeah okay um carl what do you think of catapult uh what's well, a tricky one you know the last two the last two times i've covered on the call i've gone sell and sell so 190 160 got down to 110 um the yeah look it, they've, they've always reporting great top line growth but then the, the the profit line is is the problem um and and they've just kind of just keep pushing out when they're finally going to deliver that first profit so originally when i first started coming on it was going to be fy24 now i think the consensus is really pushing it out to fy25 it's trading on about sort of you know 30 40 times that year's earnings which it doesn't sound bad for the growth they have, but we're talking about, you know, two and a half years to kind of get there, which just means executionary. So uh, I'm not a sell this time, so it won't be third time unlucky. I'm going to go hold. I think there's enough in it just in terms of the prices change. So last two times I've, I've come on, I've just said it's just too expensive for what it is. And I think now that the price is, is more balanced, the, the risk reward is more balanced. And I think the market's kind of seeing that down at these levels. So the chart is starting to turn around. So, you know, you know I like bottom left, top right. This is kind of yeah. the opposite. So it's top left, bottom right. But that last little bit at the end, where it's just starting to make higher peaks and higher troughs, what we can't see there is the candles. So there's a lot more white candles coming in instead of black candles. Now we're talk not talking about the stuff, the candlesticks you, you put in the middle of your dining room table there, Koshi. We're talking about the Japanese candlesticks. White candles equals excess demand, black candles equals excess supply. So it's a really sort of um, early signal that the market is, has gone from that uh, sell the rally to starting to buy the dip. So I think there's mm -hmm. enough in it for that reason, if you've been suffering in it for a while, to call it a hold, but I'm okay. not yet at a buy. Okay. Uh, Carl, Julie wants a view on uh, on CBA, uh, Combank. Uh, uh, Julie well, says, I'm interested in your view regarding selling CBA. It's close yeah. to its one year high. <laughs> Wondering if we should sell a little and perhaps put it into other banks. Yeah, I'm sure there, there are thousands or tens of thousands of investors out there asking that exact question. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, CBA 
Um, so, I look, I'm a religious watcher of Osbis Koshi. I love it. It's always on in the background. But the number of analysts I've seen come on uh, Osbis and say CBA is the most expensive bank. Right? I mean, yeah. it's just, it's almost unanimous. And I, I think that too. I mean, I'll, I'll run the numbers. It's crazy expensive. And yet you look at the share price and it is bottom left, top right. So, it mm. seems to be invincible. So, either all of us analysts have got it wrong or the market's got it wrong. And like I said at the start, there's no point shouting at your computer screen uh, to the market that the market's wrong. The market doesn't care. Um, all that matters is what the market's doing. So on that basis, I think you kind of need to back it. Should you sell it here? I don't think so. I think, you know, there's excess demand in the system, which means it's more likely to go up than go down. That doesn't mean you might not get a better opportunity to sell in the near future, but you know, be watching the charts for that. But yeah, look, I, I think it's a hold. I think it's a, it's a hold. I think that's for the people who have it. For people who don't have it looking to buy a bank, just very quickly, what's the best bank uh, that you can get right now? So just sort of stick to top four or five. Um, ANZ, I'll just check my notes here because I did write it all down. ANZ uh, has the best yield. Okay, so you're looking at 5.3% this year, 5.7% forecast next year. Um, Westpac has the best, uh, sorry, NAB has the best growth. Uh, Westpac has the cheapest valuation. Um, it is it, sort of ebbing and flowing. Um, if I had to, if I had to pick them, so I'll just go in order here. Um, I said, uh, uh, so I've got here uh, buy. I actually said uh, Westpac and Bendigo uh, would be my top picks in terms of what you're getting. So yield, valuation, and chart. Those three things together. Uh, ANZ and NABA holds, and CBA is a hold because it's on the right. bottom of all the rungs, but the chart still looks good. Uh, where's Macquarie? Uh, I didn't put Macquarie in because I didn't count it as sort of one of those traditional banks. Oh, right, but the okay. Macquarie chart, the Macquarie chart looks very, very strong. Right, uh, Ben. Yeah, I'll go CBA. hold. Um, hold. So you wouldn't take any profits because uh, Julie's question is: Yeah, should she take some profits, sell a little, and perhaps put it in other banks? Okay. So, so are the other banks. Yeah, I, as I, good as I'd question the logic in putting it into another bank because right. I think Commonwealth Bank is the best bank you can right. own in Australia. So. Yep. I, it will come for Julie position size. So if she's yep. really overweight, Commonwealth Bank, absolutely take some profits. Yep. But I wouldn't take it to then go and stick it into NAB or Westpac. Right. I'd take it to look at a different sector where you feel like there's more upside. You know, right. the, um, CBA, the, the, the advantage, it, it has an unnatural advantage over the other three banks. And that is that it has the largest amount of cash on deposit from its um, deposit holders and it's significantly larger than the next biggest bank. Right. Yep. And it therefore means that it can fund its mortgages a lot right. more cheaply than the other banks can. Right. So I think roughly, rule of thumb, if you go and borrow a million dollars from ComBank, about 330 grand comes from their deposit holders, yeah. who they're currently paying 0%. Yeah. And then they go and borrow about $670,000 in debt markets to right. give you that, and they make a margin on what they borrow. And so the, the reason the, mar um, the banks have been generally strong um, is that um, you know, interest rates are about to start rapidly moving higher and banks' margins expand in rising interest yep. rate environments, but CBA's margin will expand the fastest. Right. And that's because if you've got cash on deposit, they will be the slower to right. increase your rate, but they'll be faster to increase okay. my mortgage rate. All right. And that leads to expanding margins. Interest rates going up a lot. Yeah. Uh, basically, all the big four banks are home lenders. Yes. That's about all That's their business. Ninety percent of their revenue. Okay. Days, yeah. Interest rates go up a lot. Yep. Um, homeowners highly geared. Yep. Um, couple that with 
Bank of America survey of fund managers in the US this week says there's a massive increase in expectation of the US economy going into recession yeah, because of yeah. the big increase. If we get dragged down too, yep. um, are they at risk? Um, are the banks are at risk? Yeah. Or I don't Not think going broke, no. but having big write-offs because their mortgage book is so geared. I, I don't think so because okay. I, I think firstly, that's good to know. Yeah, the tier one capital ratios are the hot. The bank's bullet um, ban- balance sheets are in the best shape we've probably ever seen them. They're actually yep. parking cash with the RBA at the moment because they don't have anything else they've got to do with it. Right. Um, mortgage Australian households are actually in really good shape. Um, the RBA has pointed out continually that the amount of money that is in offset accounts is like mm. two or three times higher than it ever has been. Right. So Australians have been saving during this downturn, Great. but there is some pain to come. You know, rates are going to mar- move higher. The question is, is the bond market right in saying how fast and hard? Yeah. And I reckon there's been a disconnection there. Uh, so it won't be as yep. fast and high. If you listen to Matt Common, who I reckon yep. CEO of CBA is, I reckon would have his pulse on the, the yep. on the finger on the pulse <laughs> of the economy better than anyone in this country. He he came out a week ago and said, I, I cannot believe we will see 12 interest rate rises in this yep. cycle. Six would be enough to really start to slow things down, which would calm yep. down inflation. So. Yeah, no, and and that's been a consistent theme from. Matt, we talk to him regularly here on Ausbiz, and I keep putting that to him, yeah. and he 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 has his finger on the pulse. Yeah, um, it, he's terrific. Yeah. All right, uh, let's go to Group Six Metals. Shambu says I'd uh, appreciate uh, the experts' view on this, uh, but you get a mention here, Carl, uh, along with Henry Jennings. Don't put this to the team invest panel because it wouldn't pass their their filters. I love the way yeah, I love that question because you've nailed it. It's absolutely tailored. So thank you for uh, for your comments on that and also your question. Um, the uh, the company previously used to trade as KIS. It has King Island tungsten mine at the moment. Uh, Shabba goes through a whole lot of uh, numbers on the tungsten mine. Um, it's, it's had some environmental issues, which it's hopefully coming to the end of by, by the sound of it. Uh, and also got a government grant from uh, Hydro Tasmania to provide all of the electricity into the tungsten plant. Um, what do you think, Carl? <coughs> Yeah, I, I, I like it. Yeah, it's nice to be thought of when it comes to the sort of the mining <laughs> but, and specky but, ones. But it's just it's different horses for courses. So some investors yeah, yeah. say, look, no, that's not on my radar. Uh, for right. me, anything's possible. Anything is everything. Any everything's yep. on my radar. Yep. Um, everything gets gets a look and gets a start because I don't know where the next uh, wonderful blue chip stocks are going to come from. They all got to start yeah. from somewhere. So, yeah. uh, no, I'm happy to look at look at anything. This is one of them. I actually ran it as my feature chart yesterday oh. uh, by pure, pure coincidence. So it it just. Uh, it's just starting to look really good. Now it's a tungsten mine. Um, tungsten's not in the group of those metals that you're going to associate with, um, you know, the uh, electric vehicle revolution and renewables and things like that. But it does have, uh, you know, broad applications. And not to say that we couldn't see uh, there's some sort of technology around about it potentially using tungsten in in, in the in the anodes material of electric batteries as well. But that's still very early stages. So it's more of one of those industrial metals. We're not going to talk about it like we talk about lithium, you know, with exploding prices. Having said that, tungsten prices are on 
the rise, much like most of the commodities out there, because mm. supply chains have been severely disrupted and you know demand is still uh, fairly robust. So um, that's good news for tungsten prices. Uh, in terms of what these guys are doing, they're very close to uh, starting the mine. So it's a historical mm. mine that's uh, produced quite a bit of tungsten in the past. It's on uh, King Island, actually. Um, I know you mentioned it was uh, Tasmania, but it's actually on the King Island. And it's close to port, so they've got that all sorted out. Um, they've got offtake agreements for about two-thirds of the production. So all of these things that you want to have all, all ticked off. Uh, in your mining company. So it's not one of those we'll often talk about on the call as kicking over rocks in the mm. desert. They're way, way, way more progressive than that. We're going to see cash flows uh, probably, well, it won't be this financial year, we're nearly finished again, but uh, next financial year certainly. And then we're going to probably see some profits from FY24. We could see dividends and things like that flowing from there. It's not a huge market cap at the moment. Um, so we're talking about 105 million market capitalization based upon you know, the money I think they're going to be making and the margins. It's it's quite a, a low cost operation, um, it looks like a pretty sort of lazy valuation here, right? you know, as in there, there could be sort of two, you know, two to three times more in this. It's not going to be 10 times. It's just not that sort of um, explosive sort of uh, yep. space that it's in. But it just looks cheap here for something that's going into production. You've got a bunch of uh, cash in the bank as well, um, very little debt. So I'm happy to go a buy. Obviously, I call it a buy yesterday as my feature chart, but I'm uh, going to stick with that. Okay. Um, yeah, it's interesting. A highest grade tungsten deposit of significant size in the Western world, uh, according to one of the descriptions. Uh, ben King Island, I associate more with uh, cheese and yeah. maybe beef rather than a tungsten mine. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, a, that's one of the reasons why they had some environmental issues, which looks as though they've, uh, they've sorted their committing to a conservation covenant area of... Um, of over a quarter million square metres of land and protecting blue gum eucalyptus forest. So King Island is going to stay that uh, lovely, pristine place. But uh, what do you think of uh, Group 6? It, it actually, um, you know, I know I wasn't asked for an answer, but it actually looks no, pretty No, 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 don't, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't feel sort of slighted. Uh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I, look, I only did a quick bit into it. I, I thought it looked interesting as well. I mean, I would want to do a really good piece of work into why the mine closed down previously mm. because and it sounds like maybe it was environmental it's just low issues. prices yeah well it's low prices as well then. yeah the prices are picking price up, so it's and, and that's yeah. it looks like like they had a chart of this tungsten price it does move around a lot so yeah. but it looks like it's quite a low cost producer so i couldn't see that the tungsten price ever got near what their this new group is saying their cost of production will be so right. to me there's been something else they're going to have debt when they this mine is up and running. So that just makes you a bit more, you know, you've got to do the work in terms of making sure that this can continue to produce because these things can get pretty ugly pretty quickly when there's debt involved. However, um, the tungsten price is around $350 a tonne. They reckon they're going to be making margins of 210 That sounds pretty good to me. Um, and it's a fairly short mine life is the only thing, other thing I'd say. It's 14-year mine life. So they're, you know, what's the company's approach in terms of does it return cash to shareholders and, and, and or because Samfire was another business that had that sort of yep. thing and you know the reality is is do you then use that money to go and try and find something to continue going yep. forward as a company so probably trying to work your head around that but look on face value it, it does look interesting I'm going to say a hold pending you know maybe doing some more work yep okay a deeper dive all right, Ben Damien wants to be on Ardent Leisure, the uh, big theme park 
owner here in Australia and overseas, Dream World, White Water World on the Gold Coast. Uh, overseas, they own uh, Main Event Entertainment, which is a whole bunch of, um, by the look of it, Tempin Bowling alleys. Yeah. Um, had the controversial sort of accident a couple of years ago. Yeah. At, um, uh, at so Dreamer. this has been a company that's gone through a hell of a storm uh, where, you know, they had the Dreamwell thing. They also had all the lockdowns around the world. And this is a, you know, and ultimately people were, you know, socialising and large numbers of people were necessary to make these operations viable. But Gary Weiss has come in, who's, um, you know, very experienced yep. Australian director. And he I've, they've done a great job because mm. it looked like a basket case there for a while. They were lucky to get sort of some debt help from the Queensland government to try and get them through yep. it. Um, but on top of that, they've engineered a really good turnaround. Um, they've announced the sale of main event or their interest in yep, main in events. In the US. So that's the big well, recent news. Uh, Damien says, though, who wants a view on this, the market's reaction to that has been underwhelming. Yeah. Um, which makes me think the deal will affect the long-term growth. Uh, Damien says, I've been told it will crush the share price once it goes through. Yeah, so I think that Damien, um, probably just understanding how this deal has been structured, it, on face value, it will crush the share price because they're oh. going to pay a 90 cent capital return to shareholders. Oh, okay. So you oh. will see the share price, if nothing moves from this point, drop from $1.35 to 45 cents. Right. But you're going to get But you're going to get the cash. You've got to remember To that. use and invest elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. And I think the market's reaction really says to me that the market was onto this. It, right. it, it knew roughly what main event was probably worth. It had priced that appropriately into the share price. But I, I, I think this was good news. I mean, we don't own Artem, but you got to look from this point, okay, you're going to get 90 cents back. Um, which means that you're paying 45 cents per share for the remaining assets of the business. Yeah. You're going to own all of the Australian leisure and tourism um, sort assets. of activities and yeah. assets. And there's a lot of land involved in that. Right. Um, and they're going to retain 150 million cash on their balance sheet to help fund that part of the business. So on my numbers, you're paying 75 mil for the, um, for the assets and the, and the operating business. Coming out of COVID, I reckon these are probably pretty good businesses to own. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm going to go buy. Um, okay. I, I, I think um, the market might have underreacted to this mm. news and it could be interesting post the capital return. Okay. Uh, Carl? Yeah, I agree with everything Ben said. It's quite an interesting, maybe a little arbitrage opportunity potentially. Um, so, look, what's underwhelming about the fact that they sold main event is that that's where all the growth was coming from. So you look at all the growth and the performance over the last sort of 12 months uh, as we've yeah. emerged from COVID, it's come in the US, it's not come from here. So on face value, you look at it and you go, well, okay, it was a re it's a good it's a good price, not a reasonable price. I think it's a good price. It's the right price at the right time because they had a, um, a, a, a private equity partner in that which uh, could have exercised an option to take um, sort of mm. you know 51% of it and then they, they would decide you know, when to sell. So they've kind of, you know, taken the initiative and, and, and got that off the books at the moment at a reasonable price. And then they're obviously going to pay down their debt to the Queensland um, Treasury, uh, keep a bunch to reinvest in what's left. And all that's left, let's face it, all that's left is those uh, Queensland, um, Queensland Dream Parks, Queensland theme parks. But I think, as, as Ben said, he's got a sort of 75 million that they've put on it. I think the market's actually pricing it even less than that. So it kind of puts it into bargain territory mm. uh so i can go i can look i'm gonna go speculative buy on this one as well i know it doesn't make any sense because the chart doesn't make any sense 
but it's one of those sort of unique arbitrage opportunities where I think there's some value in here. So not, it's not a cornerstone holding in your portfolio, but I think it's it's worth um, you know a, a risk money uh, portion of mm. your portfolio to, to okay. just see how this one plays out going forward. Because I think what's left is massively undervalued by the market at this point. Uh, just should mention, I, I did obviously got a buy on uh, G6M and Fluence. When I say buy, I do mean speculative buy as well. So that's they're not cornerstone holdings in your portfolio. Again, sure. they are risk, risk money bets on those two. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's recap the first five stocks. All can I uh, take profits from uh, both Ben and Carl. Fluence, a buy from Carl, a hold from Ben. Uh, Catapult, basically a... Um, a hold from both, but been sort of ticking towards a buy on the uh, on the cusp of uh, Commonwealth Bank hold from both Group Six, um, a buy from Carl, a hold from Ben. Um, basically, he wants to do a bigger deep dive into into Group Six. He thinks it looks interesting, uh, and a speculative buy for Arden. Here at the call, we've been uh, tracking our own. High Fantasy High Conviction Fund, picked by Investment Committee. The latest episode of the committee meeting is live for you to watch on osbiz.com. And Ben, of course, is part of the Investment Committee. Um, portfolio at the moment made up of JB Hi-Fi, Prometicus, Linus and Incitec Pivot added to the fund in the last month, joining the original stocks and 20% in cash. About line ball the overall market or the overall portfolio since it started on the 1st of March. So keep sending in your requests uh, to the call and um, any of the the buys, unanimous buys, for example, Arden will be going up to the investment committee in, um, in its next meeting. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second to none trading tools. Plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, uh, let's get stuck into the uh, second six, uh, second five stocks for this half hour. A2 Milk, Terracom, which is an interesting one as well. I don't think it's ever come up before. It's a coal stock here on the uh, on the call. Kogan, Minres, a favourite uh, of a lot of the uh, experts, and Rezap Health, which has a bit of M&A going on at the moment. So uh, that will be interesting to get the guy's view. Uh, ben Raj wants um, a view on A2 Milk. Uh, a few months ago, the stock was reviewed as a buy based on it being in cheap territory. Uh, price was around six bucks, now it's around five and below. Um, all the commodities are going up. Uh, understand it doesn't is a, not a milk producer, but it's a, a branding company, um, and also the effect of the current lockdown in China uh, will this have more negative effect on the price, or could it be the catalyst for it to move higher? Yeah, it's an interesting one at the moment, Koshi, because um, it's all it seems to be all over the place. When I follow the the biggest gains and losses yeah. of the day on the market. It actually features regularly on both sides. Yeah, swings around a lot. It's been amazing, this business. I mean, you know, this was a market darling growth stock only a year and a half ago, and the fall from grace has been pretty spectacular. Um, 
think always a good reminder to trim positions as they rise you know yep. in your portfolio if you're lucky to have them um, I still wouldn't say it's particularly cheap. It's trading on 24 no. times next year's earnings. Earnings right. have basically been completely rebased. It's almost, um, they've almost had to not start from scratch, but there's been a significant amount of write downs and um, you know new costs embedded in the business. You can see it's been a pretty tough period. Yep. The big question at the moment, there's two for me. The first is Sinovac. Every ch so this, this company is, massively reliant on the Chinese um, mums and dads to, to give their kids infant formula. It's yep. by far the biggest part of their earnings. It's the biggest margin part of their earnings. And there's two issues they're facing. So Sinovac, we know isn't as effective a vaccine as the Western vaccines. Um, right. The Chinese government issued a decree six or nine months ago um, saying that Chinese women who were considering falling pregnant should hold off for a year after receiving the vaccine mm. um, because you know the inference is that there's some there's some side effects there and what that will probably mean is that um, the the birth rate which was already in decline before this in fact the birth rate went um, sort of negative for the first time in the last Chinese census right. um, i.e. household sizes are diminishing and um, it's probably going to mean that there's another tough year coming up, I suspect, because oh, if the birth rate does drop, then there's just less babies, that the, the yeah. market size has shrunk. The second thing is there's now, it's estimated around 350 million people in China are under lockdown. Um, so, you know, even if they want A2 milk for their babies, are they able to even get it? I'm not sure. You know, no. it's it's very murky as to what exactly is going on in China. We've seen these terrible scenes of um, children actually being separated and babies separated from their parents yep. and put into um, these huge facilities. And there's no dig out um, network for them anymore. Well, it's it's <laughs> it's going to be tough to penetrate. Like I think I would have thought it's probably only essential food deliveries and things like that yep. at the moment. So I can see that th they're moving again into what, but these are all out of their control. The, the new management team, I reckon, are really good. Um, mm. And I think they actually have the last half result was actually the best we've seen in a couple of years. So I know it's a bit of, uh, you, you, no surprises, I'm going a hold. Right. Um, okay. I think short-term <laughs> challenges and it could be a long-term opportunity on the back mm. of those. Okay, hold and keep watching out. Carl? Yeah, look, uh, Ben's nailed all those points. And yeah, I think, uh, I can't, I'm not at a hold um, because I guess Ben's saying, you know, hold because there's a long-term opportunity. My only question is how long do you have to wait yeah. mm. and how much more erosion in the share price you're going to experience before that opportunity comes. I totally agree with what he said about new management and what they're doing. And they are getting some growth back into those brands. But as Ben says, into a shrinking market, I'll give you some stats here. So 18.1% decrease in births in 2020, another 11% increase in 2021. And of course, we've got lockdowns uh, at, at the moment. So, uh, and, and you're probably getting, and I've seen lots of um, videos on social media about um, this, that how deliveries have been done. You, you, look, A2 Milk is a premium brand. So that, that box of groceries that you're getting at the moment is probably not gonna have A2 Milk in it. It's probably gonna have a local, a cheaper local brand. So there's so many headwinds still out there that we could see the price of A2 yeah. Milk fall significantly before it does make that bottom and become that bargain bike opportunity that it, that may will do uh, in the future. Look, our fair value target is actually lower than here. So it's uh, we've right. got a 427 target at the moment. It's about 7% uh, below. The chart looks horrendous. I mean, top 
left, bottom right. And it's just uh, Ben mentioned at the start um, how you've got to have a strategy for exits. And if you don't have a strategy for exits, the risk is you hold something all the way down because mm. of this, this. You've anchored yourself to, to, to A2 Milk is such a great stock and it did so well, but that's all history. The markets don't trade on history. The markets trade on the future. And if you're not aware and you can't analyze and understand what's happening in the future, you need another strategy. Yeah. A chart is the best way to do it, in my opinion, because it doesn't require you God. to have half an alphabet after your name on your business card. That. Learn how to read a chart, learn when the trend changes, and get out. We've consistently told our clients not to buy this for 18 yeah. months, and I think our clients are very happy that they have. That five-year chart looks like the Himalayas, doesn't it? It's um, amazing. You know, it's, it's, it's that anchoring, isn't it? It's a great yeah. stock. I need to hold onto it. Well, yeah. maybe not. All right. Uh, David wants a view, Carl, on Terracom. Um, mm. saying it's an interesting coal stock. And uh, I thought, oh, coal stock, because uh, Gaurav Sodi from Intelligent Investor has been banging on about New Hope and Whitehaven, how yep. good coal is, and um, he's, he's out of proportion in his personal portfolio, uh, way overweight coal stocks. So I thought, oh, has this one been left behind? Um, miner of thermal and coking coal with development projects in Queensland, um, uh, Blair Athol Coal, Colum Projects, Pentland. Um, uh, but then I sort of saw that there may have been some governance issues uh, in this stock over recent times as well. Um, well, look, I didn't pick up on those, to be honest. I didn't find them in, in, in the research I did, but not to say that there aren't there. But yeah, they're looking to, to get an existing um, or historical mine back into yep. operation there in Queensland. But they're producing, um, actually, they're, they're, so they're producing now, they're producing in Queensland, but they have been producing for some time from the assets they bought in South South Africa. Yep. Uh, and they're selling about 80% to the local power stations there. 20% is going on spot, which, let's face it, spot prices for coal have gone absolutely That's crazy. Yep. So, you know, below $50 a tonne to over $300 a tonne. And that's why you've seen Whitehaven, New Hope, Coronado, uh, Yancol. Uh, so there's four there and the Terracom, that's the five. So we have had a full house. We have yeah. told uh, clients they've been but feature Terracom charts has a move almost much, every day. It? It, it's just starting to move now. So it's probably uh, it's probably the, the least uh, reliable slash consistent right. slash sustainable out of, the, out of those. Right. But okay. not to say that it's not becoming increasingly so. And that's why it, 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 it has struggled. Um, but hey, it's all about coal prices from here. So uh, is it a flash in the pan like we saw back in um, sort of uh, late 2000, uh, 2007, 2010, and then in the, in the mid-teens? Pro probably. Look, it probably is. But that doesn't mean that it, this thing can't still going up because it's just so crazy cheap and it's just printing money right now. Yeah. Uh, so we've got, we, we think it's probably half the price it should be at. Mm. But it's so it's so risky because where's coal going to be? So I'm going to go with uh, again. It's been a feature chart regularly for us uh, through the last couple of months. I'm going to go with a buy on that basis. But it is for the technical analysts out there. So it's not somebody right. who's going to say Carl said to buy it. I'm going to put it in my portfolio. I'm going to set and forget, and never watch it again. No, no, no. Please don't do that. You need to be able to follow and watch the momentum on this. And and it's uh, you know you you're having a great time while the party's on. But as soon as somebody says, hey, the kegs just run out, you're out of there. Okay, Ben. Um, yeah, I don't think the keg's run out yet. I, I think this one's probably got some more in it. I, I had to do a double check when I saw they did $54 million in EBITDA in January, in one month. Yeah. Their market yeah, yeah. cap's 440. Yeah. So potentially, if the coal price stays where it is for one year, you get more than the market cap, and then yeah. like quite significantly more. Um, they had quite a big debt 
issue and they've, at, they've repaid all of the, the debt that they were owed. They've now said they're going to pay 40 to 70% of their um, um, profits as a dividend. So there's a yield that's about to start to kick in. Um, again, I'd agree with Carl, it's probably not the preferred coal. You know, we really like New Hope, but having said that, we actually sold it um, late last week. Um, I feel oh. like coal is really frothy at the moment, but the only counterpoint I would make to that argument is as opposed to lithium, there is not going to be any new supply coming. No. Yeah, that yeah. Banks won't lend on <laughs> it. Getting the environmental approvals, you just it's not going to happen. No. So what's there is probably all that's going to be there. And um, if this demand holds up for longer than expected, mainly because of Russia, which is a massive coal producer, yeah. this could be seriously cheap. Um, yeah. Because you, know, you could get three times your money in two years, potentially. Yeah. I'll say a hold, mainly oh, sitting on the fence. Oh, I, I thought he was going to go back. Yes, I me know. too. I, I thought you'd talked yourself out of it. I know. I started off so enthusiastically. Okay, I, I know, but I just feel like, I, in the short, I don't feel well, like... Because you sold out of coal yeah, last week. It, would be, so it wouldn't make a lot of sense. Um, but I keep an eye on it because the price think, will move I think, around. You know, I think this one needs to catch up. I agree on the other ones, but I think yeah. this one needs to catch up. Yeah, it could look. I you could be right. Um, it, I could see a dollar on this easily, right. you know. But they, I mean, they could pay a yield of like fifteen percent. Mm. I oh, can't well. see why not. But Whitehaven and New Hope are just splashing Paying massive dividends. Yeah, because they've got nothing really <laughs> nothing else, else to, to do, do with the cash. No. Because you can't go and develop another great. coal mine, which is which is probably <laughs> which you don't want them to go up and bugger the business up. Resources, stocks, they can be their yeah. own worst enemies. Exactly you know? right. And so, right. Um, you know. So a hole. Yeah. Okay. Um, Dom wants a view, Ben, on Kogan. Yep. Uh, the online retailer saying the share price has caught my attention. Uh, Dom is saying, obviously COVID, COVID lockdowns provided a great tailwind. Is the share price attractive enough for a buy recommendation on this stock or is the potential for higher interest rates and lower discretionary spend enough to hold off on a buy? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Look, I, I'm going to go sell on Kogan. Um, I have always had an issue with this business. It, Russell Kogan and Dave Shave, they've done a great job with this yep. business. No denying. There's always been these weird things in the account, like the statutory numbers are completely different to the reported numbers. You know, yep. so if you look at statutory last <clears throat> half, decent loss. Hmm. Reported numbers, quite a strong profit and trying to then work out where the difference between those numbers there's you know lines and lines and lines of this is what's been cut out this is what's been put in really tricky um, the other thing I've never liked is the aggressive insider selling in this business it's like every time it had a run the two founders sold not insignificant amounts of shares back to the market um, but look it's you know it's it's got 40 million in net cash trading on 30 times earnings. Um, yep. So the stat number was ne negative 11 cents in EPS last half. They've had supply chain issues, inventory issues. I think the demand's still pretty good. Um, margins are weakening off, revenue's flat. You know, we have seen a number of these, you know, sort of COVID winners, you know, Redbubble's another one in the space. And it's actually in the America, we've seen it really on steroids, you know, businesses like Peloton and Zoom and, yep. and these sort of companies. I'm, I'm going to sell because it still looks quite expensive to me. Carl? 
yeah, I like coming on with Ben because I like going second when I when I'm on with Ben because <laughs> normally normally nails nails it. Then I could just just talk about the chart. Yeah. Um, so I agree with everything you said, and the chart looks terrible. So I yeah. I had hold or sell on this. We're probably not as bearish on the valuation and some of the growth that we think is still in the business. Uh, but the chart is horrendous. It's just as bad as A2 Milk. So I'll, I'll okay. stick with him. I'll go sell. Oh, sell as well. Okay. Um, now Lucas Carl Wanter. Uh, he says a cheeky request on uh, mineral resources. Uh, are these in sell territory and buy on a pullback? Mm. Or are these bottom draw stocks? Hard to know when to sell. I'm investing for the long term. Minres share price around that $62 mark when uh, Lucas sent in the request. But Macquarie believes there are bigger gains to come. They have a price target of $83 on it, uh, mm. which is a 35% upside. Of course, what Chris Ellison. Uh, is uh, has many fans in the uh, in the broking world. What do you think? Yeah, look, it's it is a fascinating business. I mean, mining services, iron ore, lithium. They've even got a um, an oil, a gas play going as well, but more to to supply their own operations. So they, you know, fingers in a few pies and quite nimble at what they do. I, I think when you look at mineral resources, though, you've got to look at it more as an iron ore stock than anything else. It is still predominantly iron ore. I know lithium is very much up and coming for them, and it will have a bigger, uh, provide a bigger portion of their, their profits down the track. But it's still iron ore, and it's still um, not the highest quality iron ore, and it still attracts a bit more of a discount than some of the other producers, and it tends to do worse when the iron ore price comes off. So if you're looking at mineral resources, I'd say focus more on what the iron ore price is doing. And again, you need to be a genius to predict that, let's face it. But uh, if I can say something on the iron ore price, my view is stronger for longer. I think we're probably gonna be above 100, probably even above 120. For you know, for a continued reasonable period of time, 18 months. You know, that's about as far as our, as yeah. I'm prepared to go. And that is still higher than many analysts. And many analysts are still sort of 80s, up to 100. I mean, the the, the federal government's still pegging it at $55 a ton. So, yeah. you know, look, yeah. they're so still, that, they're, that's, they're, a, they're, that's the federal budget slush fund, is that? That's basically. that is yeah. That is more. <laughs> there's probably other reasons. For yeah. That. Gosh, you yeah. Um, so, look, on that basis, I, I think if you have to compare it against other iron ore plays, it's it's not my preferred pick in that space. Oh. So then I revert to this and I say, well, what does the chart do? So, look, it's not my preferred pick, and, and Ben might be more optimistic on it or, or have a better view, but I just think you play it based upon the chart, and it's a great trading trading stock for us. You can see some of the huge swings in there. Yeah. So um, it gives you these really great opportunities to try and you know, buy the dip fine when that chart is starting to turn, when those candlesticks I talked about are coming in, the volume's starting to get better, buy it and then flog it off when it when it hits that high because it's, that's just kind of the stock it is. So look, um, at the moment, it's still in a buy phase for us. We have run it um, as a feature chart. I've been tweeting about it quite a bit. Um, so I'm going to stick with a, a, a hold um, it, right. because it's top of the range. I'm might not just go buy, but I'm definitely going stronghold. Well, what's your preferred? Uh, uh, earlier in the week, David Novak and Mark Morland, who are quite conservative investors, um, were both raving about Grange. Uh, Grange is Grange is uh, yeah, Grange is definitely up there. Um, just so clients love Grange. It's, again, yeah. if I get requests about lithium. The next one is about Grange by itself. Look, definitely a hold on that one. Horson's Iron is a little one we've been playing, and it's basically I think uh, more than doubled for us. Uh, but that has had a great run. Champion Iron is probably yeah. more of a slow burn. I, I'd, I'd go that just for your iron or um, exposure. Okay. Um, what do you reckon, Ben? I um, hold uh, and and oh. a, 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 I'd. I think Carl's right on it there. I, I think it's a buy on dips and this business gives you a lot of opportunities right. to buy. I, I think it is one of the best exposures. I mean, it, 
Having said that, they actually lost money. They, they actually had a loss making half last half because they are a high cost producer. And right. so they are, as Carl was saying, they're more susceptible to swings in the iron ore price because they produce a lower quality product right. at higher cost. Right. Um, so the swings tend so to be more aggressive here. for them. Yeah. Right. But the lithium side, you know, wow. I mean, they're, they're, they're bringing forward the startup of um, Abamal, this huge lithium yep. deposit. They're doubling the forward production numbers. They've said they've had customers beating down the doors wanting to buy it. Mm. Um, and I think it's Pawson's is the other one that they're looking to do this on as well. So, right. um, it, but Carl's right. It ultimately is an iron ore company and, and be a bit wary if people start talking about it for lithium. At this stage, it's not yep. gonna be a big part. But, you know, it's trading on 12 times consensus, 4% fully frank yield, pretty cheap. Yeah. Um, but that assumes what the iron ore price is. Right. Um, yeah. And my my nomination for an iron ore stock is Datira, which, um, Datira, which I think... Datira, which is the royalty business. It is. Like, I, I've never seen a business where um, you have less than 20 employees, you get sent yeah. a check every quarter, your return on equity is over 500%. Right. It's insane. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I really like so that. So Deterra gets royalties from one of the BHP iron ore sites. They send a royalty check and Deterra's staff are basically bookkeepers and accountants and banking people that just go and cash the check every month. Yeah. Pretty yeah. simple business. Pretty good business. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah. Uh, our final stock, Ben, is Resap Health. Um, this is a, a diagnostics technology. Uh, Pfizer have just landed a $100 million bid for it, so it's not going too bad, which is under consideration at the moment. Um, basically, um, you br uh, it's come out of the University of Queensland. You breathe into your phone and it gives you a diagnosis on rapid antigen tests and things like that. It's amazing, amazing. technology. Incredible. So. And um, largely overlooked by the market, yes. I'd say. Yes. You know, because um, Pfizer's... Then, you know, I'm sure that they've done their work. So yeah. it goes to show you can find some real gems in this yeah. area, but it's a sell. You know, yeah. like you look where it's up to now, 11 and a half cent takeover bid. The share Take price is 11 and a half cents. It's been fully recommended. Unless another player comes out of left field, which I think is pretty unlikely. I don't yeah. think you're going to see a deal. So yep. sell. Carl? Yeah, I'm saying, look, I don't think anybody's going to fight Pfizer for this one. So if you've got it, save yourself some time, perhaps, yep. for the check Absolutely. to come in. Gentlemen, it is always great catching up with you two. Different perspectives on investing, um, which I absolutely love. Carl, good to see you, mate. Thank you kindly. Thanks, Goshi. Lots of fun today. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, Ben, thank you for joining thank us you. here live Thanks in the Rangaroo Studios. Catch Ben and the Investment Committee, uh, the latest committee meeting um, for the Calls Portfolio, which is on the website at the moment. It's uh, great to get inside and see what the professionals talk about. Um, if you have any stocks that you'd like us to uh, cover here on the call, just shoot them uh, in an email, osbiz.com.au, or tweet us using the at osbiztv handle. If you want to see all the stocks in the calls portfolio, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. So I forgot to recap the final five stocks. A2 Milk, uh, a no from Carl, uh, a hold from Ben. Terracom, uh, a yes from Carl, a hold from Ben. Um, doing a bit more work on it. Uh, sell for Kogan from both of the Minres are hold, and it's a sell on the Resap Health um, because uh, just take the money and run because Pfizer's also put uh, an offer in. Mm -hmm.